0: So I'm going to talk about prayer this morning, and this is something i um, been feeling a bit of a, a weight and a burden for recently, not just myself, but us as a leadership team, and I think us as a church as well. Um, it, it's obviously been an incredible time nationally, internationally, with what, everything that's been going on in the last month or two. Um, and actually for our church as well, it's been, you know, as we, as we talked about this morning, we've, we've been tossed and blown a bit. There's been a lot going on, some really good stuff, some really sad stuff. Um, we've, we've seen some family tragedy, we've seen some bad news, um, well, we've seen some new life, um, we've seen healing, we've seen people getting jobs, we've seen surgery. We've seen, we've seen some really dramatic stuff actually happening just within our church body, alongside everything that's been going on on the sort of national scene, when every time we switch the news on, it's just been a little bit of a roller coaster. And as a leadership team, several times now, we've each been stirred by prayer at this time. Um, constantly just being drawn back to our knees and crying out to God, whether that's for peace or for healing or for safety or comfort, but also for thankfulness and praise as we've seen God answer so many prayers as well. And I think we've already seen a little bit of the heart of some of the stuff we've been feeling through different words and pictures and prophecies people have brought. But I just wanted to earth it really this morning um, with some teaching as well and just talk about where I think God might be directing us as a church. And for me, the key challenge, been struck firstly by the power and the need for prayer, which you know we might say is nothing new, but also struck by the priority of it. That's what's really been nagging at my, my heart recently. Um, and recently we've had almost a a constant cycle of responding to big issues by praying which is great that's what we need to do when something big happens we need to respond in prayer but it's actually led me to analyze and think about my own prayer life and maybe realize that I probably haven't been getting my priorities right in my prayer and maybe some of you might feel the same this morning as I speak Um, and we've had a couple of pictures this one Chris has brought he had it um, at a, uh, a conference about actually so often as christians prayer seems to be our last line of defense so when we're under attack we line up everything on the goal line and we try and keep whatever the bad thing is out and it's our last line of defense and it's a kind of desperate desperate prayer they at the last moment and the challenge was actually we need to be more attacking in our prayer we shouldn't be leaving it to the last minute standing on the goal line hoping that the devil doesn't score a goal but actually we should be pushing forward in prayer Prayer should be our priority. We should be pushing up the pitch and using it to move forward. And then secondly, Guy, uh, I read this one, uh, Corrie Ten Boom, a very famous uh, Christian lady. Um, and she sort of thinks of life as a car journey and, and that challenge. Is prayer our spare tyre or is it our steering wheel? So again, it's a similar sort of image. Is prayer something that we rely on? We dig out of the boot when something goes wrong. We, we desperately grab it and try and stick the spare tire on when things have, things have not gone quite our way? Or actually, are we praying ahead? Are we, is prayer our priority. Is prayer steering and directing our whole lives. And these things have really resonated with me. I don't know about you guys, over, over the last uh, couple of weeks and months. And actually, uh, the more I think about it, the more I think it's amazing how many times I have tried to get through life on my own wits, on my own strengths, and then... When it all comes crashing down, then I turn to God. <laughs> and then I pray desperately. And I think some of this is bad habits I picked up from my youth, Guy. Um, I don't know if anyone got a story like this. This is, just, this is just something that sticks in my brain. When I was young, I was a goalkeeper. Unfortunately, I didn't grow tall enough to be any good. Um, but I remember one time I got this new pair of goalie gloves, goalkeeping gloves. I was so excited by them. They were, they were like my pride and joy. I didn't pray for them. I didn't ask for them. I never asked God to provide me with these Goldie gloves. I just, they turned up one day and I had them and I loved them and I idolised them. They were the best things I had, the best piece of football equipment I'd ever had. And I went and played in goal for my school, had a good game, got home, opened my bag, my gloves weren't there. they had gone. I'd, I'd left them. And I was so desperately shaken by this in my 11-year-old mind I just couldn't get my head around it. I'd lost my goldie gloves. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I just such childish prayer, but I was just so desperate that I wanted to find these gloves. Uh, and then the next day, I went back to school, and hey, presto, they were there. They were in the changing rooms, and everything was all right again. And I moved on my life without even saying thank you to God, frankly. I just my, my, my crisis was solved. On we go. It's a really silly example, but actually, for some of us, and, and for me at times, I think that's, pretty much the pattern of my life sometimes um and I've made the same mistake again and again with much bigger things things where there have been big issues in my life it might be a new job or a new house or a family issue and I've not prayed for it ahead I've not made it a priority I've not thanked God for it but when it's gone tumbling down then I've turned to God and gone desperate 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 prayer, prayer prayer and then when it's all been okay again I've forgotten to even say thank you to God I'm sure all of us have a prayer life to speak of. Some of us, it'll be healthier than others, but um, I do think for a lot of us, it's possibly more reactive than proactive, and that's what I want to get at this morning. And without condemnation, without judgment, but with grace, I just want to try and bring that out a bit this morning, and just talk about how we can make prayer a priority for us. I really feel we're being called corporately as a body um, out of this reactive prayer, out of that last-ditch prayer life and into a place where prayer, individually and as a church, is primary, where it's our way of life, where it's our steering wheel. And we saw time and time again in Paul's writing, the first thing he asked for, whenever he asked for something from the church, he asked them to pray for him. He asked them to pray. He doesn't ask for money or food or ships or clothes, all that sort of stuff. First things first, he wants prayer. And I think that needs to be our heart as well. So, three recognitions we're going to make about prayer this morning. The first thing is that prayer is a privilege. Second is that prayer involves asking. And the third thing is that God is sovereign. So we're going to just work through these together this morning. i going to click on, guy. Thanks. I don't know what image on the screen there best sums up how you feel about prayer. When you think of prayer, does it make you happy? You're like, yes, prayer. I can't wait to pray. Are you a bit bored? Does it make you feel, oh, prayer. It's a bit bored. Does it frighten you? Maybe the thought of praying, coming before God, whether it's on your own, maybe praying in a group is something that puts the fear into you a little bit. Maybe it's a bit of an eye roll, a bit of a pray loads, actually, but nothing's really happened. Prayer, what's the use in that? Maybe it's like that dog at the bottom, which is the guiltiest look I could find on Google Images. <laughs> maybe when you think of prayer, actually you feel guilt because you know you don't do it enough, and you, you know you, you could do more, and, and you don't. It's very easy to get bogged down with prayer. It's very easy to beat ourselves up about it, that we don't do it enough. I think the key to try and combat this is to recognise what an incredible thing that prayer is. Guy, thank you. Prayer is simply a conversation with the living God. It is a two-way conversation between us and God. Let that sink in. We, in prayer, get to talk to God himself the creator of heaven and earth the perfect timeless unchangeable God and we can talk to him whenever wherever however we want and not just talk to him we can ask him for stuff (laughs) we get to ask God for stuff we get to pour out our hearts to him to tell him anything and everything we want and that's what he wants us to do he's not troubled by that he's not bored of that he's not frustrated by that he wants us to come to him and ask him and he hears us how is that even possible how how have we got that privilege of praying to god ephesians 6:18 okay says this pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for the lord's people And that's the key there, praying in the Spirit. That's how it's possible. Let me unpack that a bit. Jesus teaches us very specifically in in the New Testament. He actually teaches us how to pray. He doesn't teach us how to do many things, actually, Jesus. There's not many examples of Jesus specifically saying, this is how you should do that. There's a couple, but not many, but prayer is one of them. This is how you should pray. And it starts with, our Father in heaven. Our Father Prayer, as Jesus teaches us, starts with addressing God as our Father. And we do it almost every day. Those who are used to praying, we're used to saying, Father, this, that, or the other. Father, this, that, or the other. It's quite natural to us as Christians. But the reason it's natural to us is because of that last verse in Corinthians that the Spirit makes it possible. When we pray in the Spirit, we're able to address God as our Father. Look at Romans 8. Next one, please, Guy. This is Romans eight fifteen. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Next one, guy. Abba, Father. <laughs> I could see Guy, Guy could see the next slide. He was rolling his eyes before he'd even pressed the button on that one. Do you want to press the next one, Guy? Abba, Father, there we go. I couldn't resist that one. <laughs> i've got my i did check the greek it is uh, um, when we pray by the spirit it is the spirit enabling us to address god as our father that's what that verse says we can't call god father without the holy spirit and that's what he's doing for us and abba it kind of means papa it's like a it's like a a loving expression for our father it's like it's not just it's not saying, Father. You know, it's not a formal greeting of Father. It's, it's a, a loving, loved, safe greeting. It's Abba, Papa, Daddy. That's the privilege we have. As we pray in the Spirit, we pray knowing that He is our Father. And to know that He is our Father because the Spirit has brought about that sonship. But well, who is this Holy Spirit? How has He made it possible? Take a, fir- a quick uh, step further back. The Holy Spirit... We look at the four points there. That's our way of explaining the gospel: um, that uh, God loves us is the heart; we have sinned is the, the X; uh, Jesus died for us is the cross, and then what next is the question mark? Actually, we believe that after Jesus died, he rose again; he beat death, and then he appeared to his disciples for for several days afterwards, and he promised them something. He promised them that the Spirit would be sent that the Holy Spirit would come, and that even though Jesus was going to ascend back into heaven, the Holy Spirit was coming and he would dwell within us. Just knock my microphone off. He would dwell within us. Now, this isn't meant to be a gospel message. This is meant to be a message about prayer, but do you know what? Prayer itself, when we think about what it really is, it's actually a daily reminder of the gospel to us. The very fact that we're able to pray is a reminder of the grace in our lives. It's a reminder of what God has done for us. It's a reminder that he has died for us. His son died for us. He rose for us. And then he sent his spirit to live within us. And that enables us to cry out to God, Father, Daddy. So that's what I wanted to get across first this morning. As we think about prayers, you think about, do I pray enough? Can I pray, can I pray more? Why should I pray more? First thing is, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's not, it shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be a, It shouldn't be something that's difficult for us. It's it's a natural outworking of the gospel in our lives. It's a living conversation with a loving God. The next thing that we need to recognise about prayer is that prayer is about asking. There's lots of different things we do in prayer. We do thank God as well. We do worship God in prayer, of course we do. But actually, it involves asking. And I think sometimes that might be a reason why people struggle with prayer. Because it goes against our natural human desire to be strong and to be self-sufficient and to be capable and to do it ourselves. In society today, it's seen as weakness if we rely on someone else, isn't it? That's what our culture says. It's all about you. You can do this. You can be that. You can have this. You can have that. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Well, prayer is the exact opposite mindset. Because prayer involves us admitting that if we try and do everything ourselves, we won't manage. It involves not relying on our strength, but on God's. And that is exactly where God wants us to be. Because our our power and our ability and our strength are nowhere near God's. And uh, all the things we have anyway came from him. So why wouldn't we ask him? Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we pray to him to ask him to help us instead of going it alone? Because it's so much better off doing that. As individuals, what are our life goals? Where would we rather be? Would we rather try and get as far as we possibly can under our own steam, under our own merit? Or we'd like to live a life where we follow God's plan, accessing his power, discovering his purposes and seeing just how far he can take us. That same individually and as a church. Seems an obvious choice, doesn't it? Surely the choice is to ask. And as well as asking, it's about persistence. It's about persistence. Prayer is asking God for the things that He has promised us. The things he's told us to ask for. And it's also asking for him to deliver them now. And that's the, the, the dynamic that he's created. The quote at the top there is from a book by Terry Virgo. It says in the New Testament, prayer is stressed over and over again in the New Testament as a vital prerequisite for the release and experience of God's power. In other words, time and time again in the New Testament, when something big happens, people have prayed for it first. It's a natural order that God has set up. People pray for it, God does it. Another writer, Mike Betts, says, nothing significant will happen without prayer. Nothing significant. We'll do some things in our own strength, we'll do some things on our own, but we want really significant stuff to happen in our lives, individually, as a church. We need to pray. We need to ask God for his power. God wants us to rely on him, to ask him for everything, both at home, in our personal lives, and corporately as a church body. If we go back to the, the Lord's Prayer, You see, it's a series of requests, isn't it? There's lots of things in the Lord's Prayer about asking. From the small, mundane thing, like daily bread. Literally asking Him for your daily food. To the medium, more difficult things like, you know, lead us not into temptation. Don't, you know, help us to avoid evil. And then to the huge, scariest stuff like, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. It's a series. Jesus taught us to ask. He taught us to ask. He tells us we should be asking for these things and seeking God for his help. And he follows up in Luke that passage which is being depicted here uh, follows up the Lord's Prayer in Luke immediately with a, a passage about a friend knocking at his uh, neighbour's house at midnight saying, listen, I've got some guests and I've got no food in the house. Can you give me some bread? And knocking and knocking and knocking. And Jesus says the person got what he asked for. They'll get what he's asked for. Not because the friend particularly wanted to bless them but because they were humble enough to ask. They were humble enough and audacious enough to ask. It shows us that asking, even if we feel like we're being a nuisance, even if we feel like we're being a pain, do you know what? God wants to answer our prayers. If we swallow our pride, admit we can't do it on our own, God is faithful. And God wants to answer our prayers. Often I think, how often do we miss out on some of God's blessing because we don't ask for it? Or worse still, we do the equivalent of a knock and run. We ask once and then we peg it before we get an answer. Because <laughs> we're not persistent. We're too British sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> we're too polite. We don't like to ask more than once. I know I'm this, I'm like that. But Jesus talks about persistence. It's a brilliant story. If you click the next one, please, Guy. This is in, in Luke. Let me read this. Jesus told his disciple a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared with people, uh, what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. The woman in that story gets justice. She gets what she's asked for over and over again from someone who wasn't just. From an unjust judge through sheer persistence, sheer bloody mindedness. She asks and asks and asks and asks and lays hold of it until the judge, judge relents. There's no time limit. It's um, just day and night, but she asks and asks. And do you know what? That's asking someone who's not just. We ask a just God. We ask a God who is just. We ask a God who is loving. So how much more will God answer us when we pray to him? I think we're prompted to nag God. <laughs> To bug him, to ask him over and over, to not be too proud and self-reliant, to not be too stubborn, but to recognize that he can do more than we can, and if he hasn't done it the first time, keep asking, and keep asking, and keep asking. It reminds me of, of kids, you know, kids are probably the best salesmen in the world, because they will not give up until they've got what they want. <laughs> I know my, 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 my two. They will ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask until eventually me or Debbie snap and go, okay, just have it, just have it, whatever it is, put the telly on, you know. They will ask until eventually patience breaks. And in prayer, do you know what? We need to be like that with God. We need to be tugging at his sleeves. We need to be believing that the promises he's made are true and we need to be pleading that he'll bring them to bear. God, you said you'd do this. Please do it, God. God, come on, Lord. Come and do it, please. You said you'd do this. Your Bible says you can do this. Will you do it, Lord? Will you do it? Please do it. Do you know what? It's what we did with Fee. And Fee recently had cancer. We didn't just knock on the door and say, God, do you mind? Could you possibly try and heal Fee from cancer? It'd be great if you could. Thanks, bye. Didn't, did we? We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we tugged at God's sleeve, and we asked, Because that's what he wants us to do, to humble ourselves. And he wants to be the one who provides for us. And we asked him because the Bible tells us that he can heal, the Bible shows that he can heal. We wouldn't have asked him if we didn't think he could. But he wants us to ask, and we did. And we recognised our standing as dependents. We recognised God's standing as a powerful, loving Father. And it opens the door for us to persistently ask for him everything we need. That's what he wants from us. Remember that passage in Ephesians again. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Always, always, always keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Don't be shy. We mustn't be shy as a church. He wants us to keep praying. The next one, please, Guy. The counterpoint to that. The need to be persistent is the third thing. Recognising that God is sovereign. Being persistent doesn't mean being spoiled or naive. Do you know what? Sometimes we will pray persistently. We'll ask and ask. And the answer might not be no. It might might be no. Or it might be not yet. Or it might be an answer you simply weren't expecting in a million years. we go back to the Lord's Prayer again, okay. Probably the most important thing we ask in the Lord's Prayer is your will be done. Your will be done. We pray with faith, we pray with hope, but we also must pray with the understanding that God's ways are higher and greater, that we, in our earthy lives, we see only in part, but God sees the full picture. That we see only the present earthy things, but God sees the fullness of time, past, present, future, in earth and on in heaven. And you know what, that's exactly how it should be. It should comfort us to know that we are praying to a God who knows and understands immeasurably more than us. should come for us. So many criticisms and frustrations with God stem from a wrong perception of who he is. People want to reduce God to be someone who thinks like them, who acts like them, and wants the same things as them. Do you know what? I couldn't want anything less than that. I couldn't want anything less than that. I don't want a God who thinks like me who acts like me and understands things like me because that God would not be worth praying to. That God would not be worth worshipping. It would be a complete and utter waste of time. We pray knowing that God is sovereign. We pray knowing that our prayers are being heard by a supreme, powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God. A God who loves us, who blesses us, who cares for us, but also a God whose plans are higher, and greater than ours we are free to ask we are free to persist it's what he wants he wants our reliance and our devotion and our dependence but we also recognise where we end and where God begins and part of praying and asking and understanding and relying on God is that we might not get the answer that we want or expect but we accept that God is God and that he knows best I loved when Fee sent her email out announcing that her cancer was gone. There was loads of brilliant responses. People just responded in so much happiness and joy and faith. But Jim sent a response that just, I loved it. Um, And he said this, this was Jim's reply. Sorry to quote you, Jim. Being really honest, just what I expected. God is so good and faithful. We don't just pray into the air hoping for the best. But we have expectations that God will do what he says. Amen. <laughs> I love the faith that Jim has. He prays expectantly. He prays believing that God is who he is, and who he says he is, and will do what he said he did. But you know what? I do know Jim a bit. And I know that he has experienced highs and lows in life. He's married to a Liverpool fan. <laughs> <laughs> But I know that there have been times in Jim's life where he's prayed fervently and persistently and maybe didn't get the answer that he desired. I know that. It's the same for every single one of us. And yet he still comes back with that response. Exactly what I expected. God is so good and faithful. Do you know what? That's the challenge to us. And I believe Jim meets that challenge. And I believe we all need to. It's to have that same reaction. Do you know what? If he hadn't got the all clear from cancer our response would still have been the same. God is so good and faithful. God is who he says he is. That's sometimes really hard to hear, isn't it? When we think of times in our lives where our prayers haven't been answered or they haven't been answered as quickly as we hoped or they've been different answers to what we expected. But we must not lose our understanding of who God is and our recognition of what he's done for us already in researching this talk, I came across this quote and I just couldn't get it out of my head. This is A.W. Tozer, theologian. Sometimes I go to God and say, God, if you never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship you as long as I live in the ages to come for what you have done already. God has already put me so far in debt that if I was to live for one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him back for what he's done for me. It's an amazing quote, isn't it? Do you know what? If God doesn't give you a single thing that you ever ask for ever again, you still owe him big time. <laughs> we are still so far in his debt. He sacrificed his son for us. He gave us the ability to call him father. he died for us. He rose again for us, he beat death for us. And so when we're struggling with that that issue of unanswered prayer, that's what we've got to cling on to. He knows better than us. And he's done so much for us. And he is a good God. And he is a faithful God. And he's our King. I hope that's an encouragement. Okay. So how to finish us off? We've talked about prayer being about asking. We've talked about prayer being a privilege. We've talked about the sovereignty of God. But if we're going to prioritise prayer, okay, how does that actually look? We know it's a privilege. We know it's a, good, we know it's a good thing. But do you know what? At the end of the day, it's just so flipping hard, isn't it, <laughs> to cram prayer in. We're so busy. Can't think of a single moment in the day when I can fit prayer in. Possible to feel like that, isn't it? Where do I fit prayer in? I'm doing this, and doing that, I'm working, I'm being a parent, I'm doing this, I'm doing everything. Where, where does prayer fit in? I've just crammed it in around the edges. Definitely possible to feel like that. I feel like that at times. But if I'm honest with myself, when I really break it down and look at my day, can I honestly say that there's no space for time, for time spent with God? I can't. Yeah, my family life is busy, and work life is busy, and church life is busy. But if I'm really honest with myself, I can look back on every single day and see that I've fitted in lots of other things into my time, really. Whether it's looking at the the internet or playing a game on my phone or watching that bit of telly or reading something or messaging and texting people or going on Facebook or that extra 20 minutes I had in bed. Do you know what? There's a lot of time, really, if I cut it out. There's a lot of time in my day which could be better spent with God. And I'm not saying every moment. I'm not saying every moment of it needs to be spent with God or face eternal damnation. No, we believe in grace, not law. But I could definitely take more time in my day to to gain that privilege of prayer. And you know what? That time spent with God in my day is time much better spent than any other part of my day. Psalm 84, we know it well better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Time spent with God is better than time spent anywhere else. If we think of our lives, our busy, pressured, tricky, stressful lives, how much better will they be if they're fueled by time with God in prayer? I'm becoming more and more convinced that it's the best possible idea to build my day around prayer rather than build my day around everything else and try and slot prayer in at the end. Prayer probably needs to be the first thing on my list, in my day, on my timetable, not the last. And you know what? Actually, busyness is not really an excuse. In fact, the busier we are, the more we need to pray. This is a quote from Martin Luther. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours a day in prayer. (laughs) I'm not suggesting you necessarily need to find three hours, but it's a challenge, isn't it? He was an inspirational Christian, Martin Luther. He did amazing things for God. And he knew how busy he was. He knew how much pressure it was on him. And that drove him to spend more time with God. You know what, the more plates we're spinning, the more we need God's help. But we can do immeasurably more through him than on our own. Immeasurably more. So I kind of challenge us to analyse our lives And to reorientate around prayer. So that's what fuels us. Not what what is is squeezed in at the edges. That means prioritising a home. Whether you're single or part of a family or married or what. Is your house a prayerful house? Is your house a place where prayer takes some form of precedence? Is prayer there in your daily routine? How easy do you find it? Prayer needs to be a natural part of our home lives. Remember, Paul says, all circumstances, all requests, bring them to me. The more we depend on God, the less we depend on ourselves, the healthier our lives will be. And the more we pray, the more I believe we build up what people sometimes call a prayer muscle. Sometimes spending time with God in prayer is hard. It starts off being difficult. And you might take a couple of minutes here and there and find your stamina goes a bit and you find it hard to pray for much longer than that. But just like a muscle, the more you exercise it, the stronger you get. The more, I think, prayer with prayer time with God breeds more prayer time with God. The more we do it, the more we want to do it even more. I think we need to do that. And do you know what, if we have a healthy prayer life at home, how much healthier will be our, our prayer life as a body, as a church? if prayer is just left until there's a church prayer meeting then you know what it's probably not going to be the most fruitful prayer life it's great to come to church prayer meetings it's great but if that's the only time in a month when you get time with God to pray I think we could do better and I think our lives will be further enriched by it and you know what the majority of teaching in the New Testament of our prayer focuses on corporate prayer prayer together it's exciting to pray with other people we spark each other off. We get more excited. We pray bigger prayers as we pray with each other and we sharpen each other up and we excite each other. We pray bigger prayers and we see God do more. Our prayer meetings are not just another meeting in the diary, they are powerful, pivotal times of seeking God together as a body for this city, for this nation, for this church. I was listening to a preach last month, a guy called Toppy, um, and he was saying he walked into a prayer meeting and his Son said to his mum, how long is this prayer meeting going to be? And his mum said, oh, well, you know, will be about an hour or so. He said, oh, come on, mum. You know what dad's like. He's like fire. When he starts praying, he sets everyone else in the room on fire and then it just goes on for hours. <laughs> and Toppy was like, do you know what? That's not a bad prophetic word. I'm quite happy with that one. <laughs> um, I'd love us to be a church that sets each other on fire with prayer. I'd love that. I'd love that as we gather together, as we get into our prayer times, that our prayer breeds more prayer and more prayer and more faith and more expectancy and more hope, and we see more. And the more we pray, the more God, I believe, will, will move and answer. That's again the pattern of the New Testament: prayer, then God does something. Prayer, then God does something. Prayer, then God does something. I believe it's the same today. If we prioritise it. but we need to prioritise it. So that's the challenge today. Again, it's in grace, it's in love. It's not, I don't want to beat people up about this. I don't want to make anyone feel condemned. I want to inspire us to the privilege of prayer and the possibilities that come with it. So just some quick, very quick um, practical ideas. How can we get more prayer into our lives? It might be getting up a little bit earlier. Ten minutes earlier, even and having a quick ten minutes with God, it might be if you 've got a commute to work where you currently listen to the radio or you listen to a podcast or you worship, why not spend that time in prayer, even if it 's just once a week? Use that time for God if you 've got kids, bring your kids into it kids bedtimes great time to pray together as a family, and again, it, it brings the kids up in a, in a, in a brilliant way if you 're married. Prayer together with your spouse. It's brilliant. It's so good. Me and Debbie have taken to little prayer strolls. We walk down to the mystery every now and again. Not as often as we we could, but just a little half an hour walk around the park praying together. It's beautiful. It's a lovely time together. Debbie's reminding me that we sometimes get an ice cream to go with it. Thank you, Debbie. (laughs) She needs an incentive sometimes. (laughs) What about fasting as well? Maybe skip a meal, maybe skip a lunchtime at work and spend that half an hour you would have spent at your desk with a sandwich, take a walk, pray with God. If praying on your own you find hard, why not ask someone else in the church if they want to partner together with you and pray once a week, once a month, once a fortnight. A little prayer triplet or a prayer partnership. Again, as we pray together, we spark each other off more and we see, we influence each other, we encourage each other more into prayer. And of course as I mentioned our church prayer meetings once a month on a Wednesday night twice a month on a Thursday morning at 7 o'clock they're just great opportunities to come and gather together we're not keeping a register okay if you don't come you don't come it's not a problem but if you're looking for a a chance to to build up your prayer life if you're looking for a chance to pray together with some faithful people and to seek God together there's a great chance to do that can I encourage you to think about that as well if we can do some of these things, more of these things, then I believe we'll see prayer become more central in our lives, more central in our lives individually, more central in our lives as a church. And I believe we'll see greater things happen because God is faithful. Because we're doing what he's asked us to do. He's asked us to pray. Our response is to pray and ask him as he's asked us to do. Let's finish in prayer. Do you want to stand up? I'm going to pray for us and then it'd be great if you want to gather into twos or threes with people around you and just see if anyone needs prayer for something. If you're someone who, who's got a, an ailment or, or something, something in your life that you feel you'd like some prayer for, just share it with someone next to you, whether it's someone you know or not and let's, let's start practising this together. I'm just going to pray for us. Lord God, I want to thank you for the privilege that we have of coming before you and bringing all kinds of requests Lord I want to thank you for your spirit by which we can cry Abba Father Daddy I want to thank you Lord that you want us to ask you I want to thank you that you are a faithful good God and that you are sovereign and that your ways are higher And that when we pray to you, Lord, we know we're not praying to a a moody human being. Who might give us one answer one day and one answer another. We're praying to a God of promises. We're praying to a God who's the same yesterday, today and forever. We're praying to a God who listens. I pray, Lord, you'll grant us the the wisdom to accept when, um, when your answer isn't the answer we're hoping for. And you help us to continue to say you are faithful and you are good. But also, Lord, I pray that you will do immeasurably more as we pray more. As we step out more and we ask you for more, Lord, we pray expectantly. Will you come and do the things you promised, Lord? Will you come and give us this city? Will you give us this nation? Will we see a a revival, Lord? will we see hearts turning to you as we cry out for this city, as we cry out and pray for you to do more in this city, will we see your gospel spread in this city? Lord, as we cry out and pray to you for healing, will we see healing? Lord, as we cry out and ask you for for new jobs and new houses and all these other things, these, these rocky things in life, Lord, will you deliver? Will we just have testimony after testimony after testimony of us asking and you providing, Lord God? And I pray you will help this church to be a church that is shaped around prayer. That prayer will be our steering wheel, not our spare tire, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, for everything you've already done for us, Lord. The countless things that we can turn around to you and say, Lord, thank you for answering our prayers. Lord Jesus. Amen.